Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Muslim Philanthropy Podcast at American Muslim Community Foundation. It is so good to be back. It's been a while since we've recorded, but some exciting news. We have with us Sara Al-Faham, the Executive Director of AMCF. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to do this as well. Likewise. Um, so, you know, tell us everything that we need to know about you. Where did you grow up? What did you do for school? How did you get to this point? Give us the download on who Sara is. For sure, thank you. Um, so I was born and raised in Toledo, Ohio, kind of a typical uh, suburban upper upbringing in the Midwest. Um, you know, we go to uh, we have we go to the libraries, get involved in the art museum, and then on Fridays you go to the masjid. That's what you do. And then as I got a little older, um, Toledo's a border of Michigan, and so any youth programming within forty five minute range of being of Toledo, I would be at for sure. Um, we're forty five minutes south of Detroit as well, so we. Um, we, we had the pleasure of being involved in the South, Southeast Michigan, Northwest Ohio, you know, Muslim community as well. So that so what had, you're saying mm -hmm. is that you liked Michigan better than Ohio. I think Michigan has more to offer as far as. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we'll just as... leave it there. You don't need to say anything more. No, Michigan as... is definitely better than Ohio. Um, yes. And <laughs> We have good, they're called peanut butter buckeyes and they're mm. just really good. So we still will Anything eat Anything buckeye related, I just can't swallow that one. Sorry. I, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. And I'm going to take them. I'm even wearing right. yellow and blue, maize and blue right now. <laughs> you you know, there I just bleed Michigan through and through. represent. Always. <laughs> um, so typical Midwestern kind of upbringing involved in the local Muslim community. Um, what else would you say is like a definitive characteristic of Sara Al-Faham? Um, I mean, a characteristic would be I'm the oldest child and I had mm -hmm. to take a lot of responsibility uh, from a young age. Um, I think that's a very true for any immigrant daughter, especially mm -hmm. if you're the firstborn. So that was very real for me. And um, just being involved and outgoing as much as I could in order to help the people around me. I think that's that definitely was instilled in my values from a young age. And um, I also liked writing a lot. So that's that's what took me to undergrad. And I was an, uh, I was a communication and history major. At? At University of Toledo. Okay. <laughs> yes. And then um, from there, I took about a year break after undergrad. Mm -hmm. That's when I realized that I didn't want to just be telling the story. Um, I, was a, I was a reporter and dabbled a little in photojournalism as well. And I didn't just want to tell the story. I wanted to be a part of the story. And that's something that came out really strongly after undergraduate, <laughs> after my undergraduate degree. And that's when I um, decided I want to go towards social work and in the macro social work world. And then I applied to the University of Michigan's uh, School of Social Work and got accepted, alhamdulillah. And um, 
got my master's in social work then. So that has been a journey for me. And mm -hmm. it's, I don't know, like, I want to say it's like not a typical journey because it's not something I knew that I wanted to follow right away, but it's something that I became like super passionate about and realized later, like this can be a career. So it was very exciting to find that path. Yeah. And very fortunate for that to kind of cross paths. Of course, you know, we knew of each other back in the MINA and yes. Muslim NYC. community phases, yes. uh, as you mentioned, coming up to Michigan for different programming, um, and also knew of your sister mm -hmm. uh, and family. So it's kind of cool to see all the different paths colliding. Um, you know, tell us a little bit more about after undergrad and like where you've lived and some of the projects that you've been involved with, like after the reporting gig, what was your next kind of career step and give us, give us your verbal resume. Yeah, for sure. So after undergrad, as I said, I took a year off and I was actually in New York and DC. Um, and I low key did odd jobs and I just was like, this is my time to, figure myself out and figure out what I really want to do. Because not only remember like 2008, all the newspapers shut down. So um, I was like, and, and uh, again, back to the whole concept of like, it was hard for me to walk into different spaces and different worlds, learn so much about them and walk away and pretend like I didn't, you know, I couldn't contribute besides telling a story, which is important. And I think the people that find their path in telling a story is so important. But I just knew I want to put like my hands into it and be like, let's, how can, how else can I support? How else can I um, make change in the world? Um, so it, it really, um, just that, that year was very helpful in finding that for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think when I look back on my life in terms of like, what are those critical characteristics or moments that have defined and shaped who I am, a lot of it revolves around community, whether it was community service or just an activity or a project that was done with other people. Um, and I think that's what I love about AMCF is like the programming that we offer um, has been different, unique, engaging. Um, and it's not necessarily about the number of people that um, it's more so about the quality, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that we can set a standard for people to come and attend and have a refreshing experience and hear different perspectives um, around these charitable giving concepts, whereas mostly they're just asked to give yes. and not really intellectually participate. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I think it makes such a difference when you're when you're a stakeholder in the organization's mission and wanting to see it succeed. Absolutely. It makes it makes a big difference. And I am I'm, I'm really excited about this position because AMCF has the opportunity to do that. Um, and again, I'm, I'm more leaning towards a macro perspective where I'm looking at things. What is the bigger picture and how do you change systems? And this is part of it is that we change the way we we do philanthropy from from the get go like it doesn't have to be the typical philanthropy it doesn't have to be the typical white supremacist concept of what giving looks like. Definitely, and I think we can continue to push the envelope on that. Um, 
So when you were in New York and DC, I know that you were involved with a really unique giving circle and very ahead of your time. Um, So tell us more about what year that was and the concept around the giving circle. That was 2010. And um, it was a concept. It was called M100 and they put together um, basically every day you give out a thousand dollars to an organization. It's a small amount, but it was also around a thousand. It was during Ramadan and it was for 30 days. So every single day there was a hadith attached to that to that funding and who we like looking at the intentionality around who you're giving to how you're giving to that person um making sure vetting around their their status their 51c3 status it was it was still very close to the time after 9-11 people were scared to give in general you know you have young professionals especially in the dc metro area it's very transient um people who are coming in have um, I guess, high level jobs in different areas from government to marketing to nonprofits. And they're, and they're not excited to give to any Muslim organization. They're ready to really, um, what does it look like to be vetting an organization? What does it look like to uh, intentionally give and making sure the money goes where it needs to go? So that that was like the context of the world that we were in. And we were um, and I was, I was, there was, you know, there's some amazing people that were behind the entire project. I was more of the coordinator and, um, I coordinated everything around, um, around like helping getting funds to vetting the organizations, to giving them the funds. So that was super exciting. I think it taught me so much. And that was one of those pivotal moments, um, as I was moving forward. Yeah. And this just goes to say, like, you know, AMCF is not a new concept. It's something that has been around. Giving circles have been around for generations, right? In each culture, every grandma and auntie and like everybody has their form of giving circles. Um, But we hopefully are bringing it more into the mainstream for the Muslim community. Uh, And engaging mainstream philanthropy and institutional philanthropy to see that Muslims are here. And there's a new study by Indiana University that just came out in October of 2021 on Muslim American giving. And it guesstimates that Muslims donated more than 4.3 million, uh, $4.3 billion, which is crazy. Uh, as 1.1% of the population in the U.S., roughly, we're punching above our weight and giving about 1.4% of philanthropy. And to me, that's really exciting because that puts to our work into a thesis of what we're doing, how we're being effective, how we're giving together. And since 2017, AMCF has given out more than $5 million dollars. So we're a small portion of that um, in terms of Muslim philanthropy, but I hope that we can become a larger piece of that pie. Absolutely. I think that any any Muslim growing up in a suburban masjid walks in during a Ramadan Friday night, Thursday night, 
you're they're raising well over a hundred thousand dollars you know so it's not it's not like this any muslim reading that um those stats knows that like okay that's very possible for that to happen the uh, muslim community is fairly wealthy in the u.s and um i i think what amcf does is brings that strategy of not just giving which is amazing because the muslim community is very generous but it's not just giving, it's not just being generous, it's being strategic about your giving and strategic about your generosity. So I think that's so important and, and take just takes everything to the next level. And I'm excited about that. 100%. And, you know, after the M100 experience, um, you know, how did that influence your trajectory in engaging with nonprofits? Yeah, that's so interesting because, like I mentioned before, I was involved in the masjid very deeply. I was involved in youth programming all across um, Southeast Michigan, and I even got involved on a national level with MINA, Muslim Youth of North America, um, also MSA National, you know, and just dabbled in a lot of those and helped out where I could in different areas. I think the, the piece is that I started to learn what does it look like to do to learn best practices and know where to break those rules. So it's not just about learning about those best practices and implementing them. It's about learning how to break those rules, because a lot of times people have amazing intentions around helping and supporting others. And then they but they don't have those best practices or they don't have a methodology and everybody's reinventing the wheel all the time. So coming back to M100, um, you have an organization or a group of guys really um, that put together this amazing concept and implemented it. And at the same time was able to strategically take whatever best practices there was and, and implement it in a very um, intentional way. And so I just, my, like my mind shifted completely. It's not just about doing work. It's about how do you implement that work in different ways. And again, it's not about always following the rules either. It's about how do we make them, how do we make those work, uh, best practices work for us truly. So that definitely was a mind, like just a, a different, perspective was like the Muslim community can do better. Let's do mm -hmm. better. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then from there, after your master's uh, at the University of Michigan, um, best university in the world, uh, where did you go from there? Um, I went back to Toledo and I kind of spent a year, also another year, grad school is very difficult let's just put it simply <laughs> and you needed some rest um so I spent a year kind of like also doing some part-time jobs just to like recollect my thoughts and and find out which direction I want to go in because what I found and I, I bet a lot of social workers have experienced this is that you go into this utopia of what the world should look like in social work and then you come out and you're like into the real world and the real world just is horrible <laughs> so I just had to like let that sink in and um and that the the work that you want to implement is not accepted and not um 
welcomed at all sometimes. So it, I just I had to go through that part. And then um, there was a, also a little bit of a night mind shift as well, because back to the whole best practices thing and how do you rate them? I, I know that I was in the macro world and I love the big picture. And at the same time, it's hard to understand the big picture if you don't know what's happening at the ground. So I did get my, um, I, did, I went to work in Head Start as a social worker. I got my license. And so I was a licensed social worker and I worked with vulnerable families um, within Head Start. And that is also like, what, what like as a social worker I could help people is very different from a reality of what, what it looks like to truly uplift somebody versus giving them a Band-Aid. So just having that perspective was very, very interesting. And I'm, yeah. I'm really, I worked there for three years. It was, it was definitely an enlightening um, experience and the parents became my friends. Um, mm -hmm. It took a while for them to trust me for sure. Uh, we had to learn how to trust each other. And, you know, and in the end it was like, um, it, it was important for me to leave because I had to do some other things in life. And at the same time, um, you know, I wish them all the best, you know, like they, there was concepts that, um, especially around achievement gap and things like that, that I think that a lot of the parents, um, having a social worker in school changes the way parents think about schooling and what does it look like to have a school that really supports them. So I was, I was very blessed to have that experience for sure. Yeah, for sure. And then how would you say that's relevant to the concept of your most recent job before AMCF or uh, at AMCF now? So yeah, I, uh, after I got married and moved to Minnesota and I was working at Purple Nonprofits as the fiscal sponsorship manager. And basically what a fiscal sponsorship manager, I'm coordinating uh, organizations that don't have their 501c3 yet. They're very mission-based work. They don't necessarily have their infrastructure down or anything. They're just really immersed in the work that they're doing and want to make it an official and institutionalized aspect. And so what does it look like for me to be a coach, to be a mentor, to be someone who supports them in the work that they're doing and, um, and not hold judgment and like, no, you should do it like this, you know, or not give that type of advice but really help them find what's the best uh, rule that they can break on their own. Yeah. So, so, so coming here, I'm bringing that mindset of like, you know, we have best practices and what does it look like to break them in different ways that work for us? Mm -hmm. for sure. I, yeah, really excited to kind of reframe things and see what, rules can be broken you know what can we redefine repurpose don't need to keep doing things the same way just because that's the way it's been done um and i think that's some of the same mentality that i've had and you know we we are in the space of donor advice funds of charitable giving um and you know some of it is antiquated from the 1900s some of it is very um, tax friendly and advantageous. Uh, and a lot of people criticize DAFs because it just allows the rich to put money away. 
But I can proudly say that AMCF has given a majority of his assets away. And we want to redefine how community foundations operate, how we utilize donor advice funds and get money out the door to charities. Um, so I think that we've led that charge across the country, not only in Muslim philanthropy, but in mainstream philanthropy. And we've been part of conversations around this to shift the needle, to make it more advantageous for nonprofit organizations. You know, I spent my entire career as a nonprofit fundraiser. So, of course, I have this perspective. Um, and that's why I also feel AMCF is a grassroots community foundation. And it's not common for there to be really national community foundations. It's more so local or regional. So we have a really interesting brand and story to tell. And I'm so excited to be looking into those things. And, you know, having you as our first executive director is part of that. Uh, and we're so excited to bring you on. Um, and, you know, in terms of like what you did at Propel, if you want to share a little bit more about what you were in charge of, what you worked on and how it's relevant to AMCF, that would be great. You mean my, my past job, right? Yeah. Um, so... First, I agree with you about everything you just said. I think having an Islamic perspective on DAFs, having an Islamic perspective on giving really changes the game. It's completely anti-capitalist in the way that it's set up and 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 um, presented to the world and how it's implemented. So um, as far as like my my previous job, uh, what what was really important in, is making sure um, each organization got what they needed. Um, and what I hope to do with AMCF is put organizations first and making sure they get what they need, but also to have an understanding of what direction they want to go in as well. Because we also don't want to step back into the world of making sure that, um, or, or we don't want to step back into the world of, having uh going back to the status quo of just running a nonprofit for the sake of running a nonprofit running a giving circle for the sake of doing a giving circle no you want to have intentionality around it and what does that look like so that's what i hope my role will be um looking at those big picture things looking at different partnerships that we can have across the country looking at um uh, what does it look like to spread information and uplift organizations that really implement the best practices that work for them? Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to do all of that. Yeah. And, you know, that's an area where AMCF can grow. You know, we are a small yet mighty nonprofit, I'd like to say. And we have a fantastic board who's done so much and has been an operational board. You know, they've been part of the budget process, the strategic planning process. They roll up their sleeves and get dirty uh, in the day-to-day -day work. And that's how we've been able to do so much with limited resources. Um, but I'm really fortunate that we've been able to make some strategic hires uh, with part-time contractors, with you being a full-time uh, executive director with benefits, like something that I'm so proud of that we're able to, to do this right out the get-go, make sure, you know, 
that there is a savings plan and a health plan and all of these things that are critical. Um, because I know I've been at, at institutions, whether it was 11 years ago or even more recently, where I foregone the option to have healthcare or to have a 401k because I was committed to the mission of the organization and almost at my self-detriment, I think a lot of Muslim nonprofit leaders find themselves in those situations. Um, but I'm really happy and honored that we're able to provide relatively equitable pay, right? Uh, and good thing you agree. <laughs> um, and these health benefits and the 401k benefits, because we need to take care of our talent and for staff retention and for all of these reasons that other nonprofits have challenges in, we want to make sure that those challenges are not at AMCF. Um, so as we continue to grow and expand and build our team, like we want people to be excited that AMCF is a great place to work. Um, and I will make sure that I do everything that I can uh, to make that possible. Inshallah. And I really have to add that one of the reasons that made me take on this position, because you're right, like a lot of times, a lot of Muslim organizations or a lot of new organizations in general will have these issues of like, okay, it's kind of a mess. Somebody doesn't, you don't get health insurance. You have to sacrifice this and this and this. But what really tipped me over the edge and got me excited about this position is the amazing team and the amazing board that, that AMCF has, truly. Um, I was so impressed by the dedication and, and how the board discussed like keeping, um, what does it look like to take care of the talent? What does it look like to um, uh, implement uh, new ideas? And what does that mean? How do you have that relationship to do that? I mean, that was all discussed in the interview process, which was so exciting to me. I mean, I haven't seen that in a while. So, I mean, and this is even in regular nonprofits that have been around for a long time that they don't have those discussions. They don't discuss the relationships and what does it mean to bring in your own flavor as a person um, to an organization. So it was, I was just really excited about, and still am excited about um, being at NCF, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, that's awesome to hear. And, you know, through this transition, like I'm committed obviously 100% as a founder and um, being on as a contractor for, as long as you need support and as long as the community needs, you know, support from AMCF. Uh, but I hopefully, you know, want to transition to be a volunteer on the board. And uh, those are things that I'll take in stride over the next few months and um, really set you up for success and allow the organization to continue to grow. And I think that's also somewhat of a growth moment for AMCF is leadership transition um, and empowering you and the new staff to come in and do the work um, and understanding that I could only do so much, right? And I'm so happy with where AMCF is now from being an idea on a paper and in my head to emails to probably thousands of conversations, to be honest. And it's just crazy to see that growth. Uh, and alhamdulillah, like I can't take any credit for it. It is the will of God and 
the hard work of everybody involved. It's a team effort and just happy to be on the team and really grateful uh, for you to step in. Uh, I know any career shift is daunting um, and you came in with such enthusiasm and already being like four weeks in, not even like you're killing it. You're hitting, firing off on all cylinders. We got this annual symposium uh, and so many things to be excited about year end giving uh, and, you know, next Ramadan, so many things to be thinking about and continuing to move the needle. Uh, you know, we have 137 donor advised funds across the country. I'd love us to see that double over the next few years. You know, what's it going to take to get to $10 million distributed um, now that we're already at five um, and all of these other milestones. Um, so really grateful for you to jump in and your past experience from Propel and working with fiscal sponsorships. Um, you know, we are going to be doing more on fiscal sponsorships, on endowments, on giving circles uh, and DAFs. So I think that there's a continued need um, and so fortunate for having you lead it now. So absolutely, truly an honor and I um, feel very, very blessed. Um, I'm, I, I'm learning every day from the board, from the team, from yourself. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Any random things that you wanted to share that maybe we didn't cover? It could literally be any thought in your head. I'm just hungry right now, but we're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. No, I haven't had breakfast. Um, I have been eating eggs from my chicken, Thelma and Louise, on oh, the daily. That's so great. maybe go get some eggs. And yeah, any any pets that you've had in the past? That's like peak California, just so you know you have chickens in your backyard. <laughs> but um, um, no, but my sister's cats, both each one has a cat. Well, one of them has two cats. One of them is Habibi, Naslibi, and then Molly. So those are those are my buddies. <laughs> nice. Yes. Nice. Yeah. You know, having the dog, having the cat, the two chickens has been pretty wild. Um, it's a good time. It's interesting to see their um, friend and being frenemies, really. Um, but they're just so curious and cuddly and... Yeah, they're a good time. That's awesome. Highly recommend. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, you know, if there's nothing else, like obviously like our commitment to excellence and philanthropy and being uh, representative of Muslim charitable giving in the United States, that's what we're here for. Um, if you're listening to this and you want more information on donor advised funds, supporting AMCF, seeing how you can get involved. Uh, reach out to Sara, reach out to myself. Uh, our website is amuslimcf.org and you can find our emails on the team website. 
Michelle. Thank you so much. Of course. Take care. Sorry. Long time.